It's time for another Root Issues podcast, and I'm live in the booth with Luke hey. and Mr. Steve. Hello. And Alyssa had to take off Friday after vacation Bible school today to get little Super Dave baby to a doctor's appointment, so she won't be joining us. We're kind of laying this one down a little later than normal because we do have vacation Bible school happening here at Crossroads Church with Stellar, and so we're going into space. And if you've been wondering, that Q&N lead-in song, that is Toby Mac. Toby Mac. Toby Mac, and I, I went and saw him Saturday at Grand Junction Mesa County Fairgrounds. Yeah, he did not sing that song. <laughs> I would have been like, <laughs> I would have been like jumping up and down if he sang that song. But that one didn't hit the playlist. Nice. Well, <clears throat> school. How many people was there? You know, it was like incredible. It was a Friday and Saturday, and we just went for Saturday because we got so much on on the plate as the Henderson crew getting ready for vacation Bible school and everything. And so, yeah, it was like a Christian festival. I, I don't even know. There were more people than I could count. <laughs> I mean, I saw a bunch of Crossroads people bouncing around here nice. and there. But, um, yeah, it was it was packed. I mean, awesome. you know, major, 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 major good time. Was it the kind of thing where you <clears throat> drive up your car and camp type thing? Or well, no, or they, you, know, you know, they had a – Limited spots for some people to camp, and I think you had to register early for that, you know. But yeah, like you just bring your lawn chairs, you're yeah. just sitting in the grass, awesome. sitting in the heat, and they got food trucks everywhere, mm. you know. And so yeah, and it if was I cool. understand correctly, this was uh this experience was part of the inspiration for the end of the sermon, or no, 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 no. I was just working on the finalizing of ah. the sermon while we were sitting there waiting for Toby Mac to come on. Okay, because nice. one of my buddies was like, "Hey, you know where you're going tomorrow." And I was like pulling up the Bible verses and then Completed. got the last verse. And I was like, done. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know how you do that. And I'm like, I don't either. <laughs> Outside of God. Well, anyway, I brought the message this Sunday because it was um, family service at Crossroads Church, which means we shut down Sunday school and we all do church together, young and old. And our Sunday school program and all of our kids led us in worship along with Danny Dangler from Young Life. And it was awesome. And then I brought the word because basically we try to – get ahead of the game on VBS and decorate downstairs and keep it a secret. I think some kids snuck down, but that's okay. But anyway, I spoke on family life, the church, and the gospel. And so we're just going to kick it around. I kind of summarized it down into five points at the end. Live in the gospel, or four. Live in the gospel, live in boldness, live to serve, and live in the community. And we wove all of that into, you know, what is it? How does this impact your family? Mm. And so, yeah, so I'm just going to throw it out to y'all. Like, you know, any of those points that y'all want to kick around or talk about, or if you've got any questions, I can summarize some of the points. Yeah, I mean, I think all those things you just mentioned, they kind of do hone down into family, not just obviously traditional family, but into the body of Christ. There's a cool quote that's like, family's not important, it's everything. Yeah. So um, I think that, you know, kind of goes to show that I mean, I think especially for my age, it's something that I don't or didn't really worry about much maybe Mm -hmm. in the last few years of like, because you're around it so much, it kind of becomes maybe you even take it for granted having a family. But then when you get into those moments where like, oh, okay, it's just me here. I don't have (laughs) community or family behind me. You you, you see the importance and significance it plays into your life. So that that was cool to, I'm still learning, but it's cool to see how that's like evolving in my understanding of it. So 
Totally. I mean, you know, I think we've all been there, like at that point in the midlife where you've kind of left your family, you're striking out on your own, and and you're like, wow, I really miss dinners, and I really miss like people being around the house, you know, yeah, and such. And then you start like you know that singleness life, and you're just moving real fast. But but you know where you should be really plugging in is like you know how do you take what you knew as family and then apply that to the body of Christ. Mm. You know, coming here on Sunday or finding other Christians to hang out with or other people that are connected to Crossroads and then doing things with them that invite other people into the family. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you look at that thread, I mean, I went all the way back to Genesis that God created family. He created Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful, multiply, and then, you know, everything was perfect in family. And then, you know, the fall and sin came into the world, and its main attack was on the family. Yeah. Like you see the leadership attacked, like Adam's passive mm-hmm. man and Eve's believing the lie and then falling into it. And then, you know, it just, you know, started coupling down and you see how it affected Cain and Abel, yep. you know, with the first homicide, you know, mm-hmm. on the planet. And so you see that. And so everybody has in their DNA from God a desire and a quest to see family. Yeah. to be in community. And that's one of the things that the church was supposed to really start implementing and bringing in as we gathered around Christ. Yeah, and that's another thing I've noticed too, like when you do travel, yeah, it's you don't have to necessarily, there is obviously that core family in a sense, but yeah, like I go to a different country and I meet people that know Jesus there too and automatically you feel close to like somewhat of a family. Yeah, you, really you feel that connection, yeah. you know, and it's so yeah. Ground. Yeah, and that's <clears throat> that's all the way back to uh, the the formation of family in church yeah. is is the body of Christ, the family mm-hmm. of God. So yeah. God at His core, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or relational God that's in family and created yeah. in His image, right? And the whole redemptive process is God uh, developing, of building a family, right? Yeah. And um, I think that's at the core. So there's something yeah. built into us because we're all created in the image of God. The desire for family. Uh, I think the big problem today is we're so far from a biblical, you know, historical perspective on the importance of family. Um, you ask an Eastern person anywhere yeah. today, yeah. even, uh, and they will think and process things from a community standpoint. Yes. They won't think about self. They'll think about, oh, how's this going to impact my family? How's this mm-hmm. going to impact my community? Yeah. Western civilization, we've moved so far to put self on the the center of things yeah. that you ask all of our discussion today is about us, me, yeah. me, and um, <clears throat> that really works right against this understanding of family. Yeah. And everybody, I think, would say family is important. Um, yeah. The question that needs to be answered is why. Yeah, why? No, I mean that's a great question because when we look at that, like I, I took us from like Genesis and then we jumped into John three sixteen, which I called like the redemption section, where God provided a way for families to be reestablished, rerooted under His care, under His sovereign authority. And so when a family can live under God, to where even the mom and the dad are like showing like we're held accountable to a higher standard, children, you know, so that if I if I go sideways and get upset and I'm put self on the pedestal and, you know, just start like being ornery with my kids, Karis is going to look at me and be like, yo, dad, why are you in such a bad mood? You know, she's going to call me out in accountability. And then that check, I mean, I'm like, okay, I got to apologize. Like, I got to apologize because I answer to God. I'm not that supreme thing. But I think what you hit on is, like, I don't think a lot of people don't see God as a relational God. 
No. And I mean, I'm not saying that that was a shameless plug, but that was one of your books mm-hmm. was relational God. Like we have to get back to that deep understanding that God is relational yeah. and he wants to have a relationship with us. And when we when you include that into family, then you're including that, you know, family is supposed to be relational. But self keeps promoting itself onto the pedestal. And works against family, yeah. which we're seeing against, the destruction, yeah. right, the attack on family at levels yeah. probably never seen before. Oh, yeah, know? totally. Um, so, but, but that, you know, the beauty about that is that's where the church should shine. Yes. Because the church should be the city, the light. A uh, city set on a hill, shining bright. The hope, the beauty of family, um, the the open invite to anyone to come in, be healed. Um, you have family. You have a yeah. place to belong. You can, no matter how rough or confused or you know dysfunctional your family has been, um, is God is welcome you yeah. into the house and to uh, have healthy brothers, sisters, have healthy mother figures, father figures, mm-hmm. um, and to be part of the family of God. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things, kind of going back to what you were saying on family, it's the lack of reverence and respect yeah. for authority and that meaning like, you know, the parents to God mm-hmm. and then totally. the children to their parents. Like once you take that respect and that, you know, authority away from family, mm-hmm. it kind of crumbles, right? Yeah. So I think that's very important. I think that's what the church brings to the table is there is a moral standard and there yes. is a hierarchy of... <laughs> You know, there is something above us, not yeah. We are, and I mean, and if we tie that into like just living in the gospel, like it's that precept of saying, okay, every day I live in the gospel. Every day I'm living in the gospel truth that Jesus Christ came, took the cross, took my sin, defeated death at His resurrection to allow me to live in freedom and in relationship with God. You know, and then teaching myself that every day, saying that this day is to be lived out of this gospel mindset. It puts me back into the place of, you know, who is my ultimate authority? Because, I mean, I don't think many people would argue. I mean, there's lots of arguments like, you know, like, okay, so the Christian movement, they're like, you know, we've been tagged as far right and super conservative. But yet, if you were to boil it down out of a political conversation and you were just sitting with mothers and fathers and saying, what's the best way to live? Everything points back to the instruction we see from God. You know, that you do have a moral standard. You do know how to make sense of the things that are happening. But I think sometimes in the chaos, and then, I, I mean, I use this a lot, but people living in survival mode yeah. find it very hard to find a base set. Like, you're in survival mode, so you're going minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, without a forward thought. And, Steve, you bring this point up a lot. Like, you know, is anybody looking to the future and saying, if we keep following this roadmap, do we know where it's going to go? Or are we just doing what we think is best for right now at this moment? Yeah, I think that's the, <clears throat> nobody's having that conversation. But yeah. nowhere in all the history of the world has there <laughs> been a successful community, society, or yeah. nation where the family broke down. Yeah. The nuclear Biblical, you know, a biblical, biblical God family. created family. Yeah. Um, and so why, why do we think that what we're deconstructing as far as we have yeah. is going to, uh, and has it brought any good? That's what no. I say. Even in the last few yeah. years, what good? Right? Yeah. Same that we could mention that many different things, right? That have tore down. Um, yeah. It has, let's just take legalization of marijuana. Yeah. What good has come of that? You know, and um, in the big picture of things, sure, you can have little you know, 
exceptions. But, um, you know, again, I think that's the message. It's, it's good. And mm-hmm. as you say, live in the gospel. The gospel is what invites us. It is the bridge. It is the spirit of adoption, Romans 8 says, that mm-hmm. um, has made us children of God. It yeah, brings us into the family of God, a place yeah. to belong. Again, yeah. no matter how messed up our earthly family or what our experience is, uh, to come in yeah. and uh, be part of the f- eternal family right, yeah. of God. And I mean, when you think about it, go ahead. Did I no, cut I, you off? No, I mean, I was just going to say, I thought it was really cool when you said, you know, following God can cost you dearly. At yes. Times. And I think that's hard for people. Well, maybe not too hard to hear, but when they have to start living it out. It's well, you have to live it out. <laughs> you know, when the rubber meets the road, like, you know, I was pulling from Andy Stanley. He defines character as, you know, your ability to follow God and do whatever he is asking you to do, even if it costs you greatly. That's character, mm-hmm. you know. And so in that Christian environment, like, you know, choosing that character and saying, okay, this one's going to cost, but, you know, I just can't allow this in my house, yeah. you know, or I just can't allow myself mm-hmm. to put myself on that pedestal that says that I need to be worshipped over God. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and so, you know, the next point that we made was we were digging into living boldness, you know, And so in that, I was, like, kind of impressing, like, you know, do you live bold with your family? Like, is your family living boldly for God? You know, and how does that connect? And we're we're taking the the micro family, and we're trying to apply it to the church family. Because I know my growing up, it was very, like, if the church was doing something, we were there. You know, if the church needed help with something, we were there helping. And so it was part of my DNA growing up was just, man, like, the church was like that center nuclei that we revolved around. Now, God was at the center of that church, but yet, man, I mean, it was like the Hendersons were there. Like, we didn't want to miss things, you know? And I see that in my daughter, Ambler, who is, like, going to be a senior next year. And if our life groups are getting together with the other families that we do life with, she's the oldest. And sometimes, like, her schedule with work and the summer and sports and the fall and winter and and, you know, in the school year, it just doesn't work out. And she really gets hurt. Like, she never not wants to be when the families gather together. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, that's like a rich tradition. Like, she's always going to look for other families to connect her family to and do life together because she sees the importance of community. Family. What's that? What movies yeah. are from Fast and Furious? Or what that guy's always like, family? Oh, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I've never seen any of Fast and Furious. It's not because they're bad movies, just because T-I-M-E. You know? I ain't got a lot of that just to watch movies, you know. But I am going to watch the new Mission Impossible. Nice. Chris, did you, so yeah. would you say the connection between living the gospel and the next one you say is, is live boldly yeah. in your family, um, that it is the gospel that allows us the assurance Right yeah. and the confidence to yeah. be able to live bold—that is the fuel of our boldness. Yeah. Right, what and we can be bold yeah. about. We have yeah. definition. We have a vision from God. Mm-hmm. No, totally. And I mean, it's like you know, for me, it's like you know, living in boldness and then living in the gospel to living in boldness means that I am always going to be stirred in hope. Like as much as things fall apart around us, you know, I'm always stirred to hope. Like I'm always going to lead my family in hope. I'm never going to lead my family in desperation. I'm never going to lead my family out of fear. I'm never going to lead my family in survival mode because there's always hope. You know, we may have a season where, okay, we are in survival mode because, like, oh, my goodness, like, kids are everywhere and none of them drive yet. 
you know. Then we moved out of that when Ambler started driving. Like, hey, you want to go pick up Samuel from football? Yeah, I'll go drive. Great. <laughs> I'm going to help mom make dinner, you know. But um, living in boldness, I would say, is like this concept of hope. Yeah. Like, it's, it, you know, it's dicey outside. Mm. The, you know, the world, the culture, and the way things are going, and, you know, what they may consider an R movie now, like, years ago would have been like, you can't even play that on the screen in a public theater, you know. And and so, you know, but yet, even if everything is deteriorating out there, our family still has hope because we have a standard and we have a vision for how we're going to live. And that is being bold because it does. It sets us apart from everyone around us. You know, yeah. if the school needs help, boom, we're there. You know, if they need teachers need help, boom, we're there. You know, and my kids are in public school. And, you know, it's a challenge, you know, it's a real challenge, you know, but, you know, what the district decides or what the state level decides or even what the national government decides doesn't necessarily mean that that teacher decided that that teacher has to implement it. And she had a or he or she had a calling to be a teacher. And so we support them, you know, and help them. And then, you know, I mean, sure, Bergen, you know, reading and such and her teacher said, to Elaine and I, like, I will meet with her once a week and help her with her reading and for free. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so how can we not know that Jen is on our side? Yeah. You know? Sure. You know? And so, yeah. Can you ever be over bold? Is that a thing? Or like too much boldness? Is can you ever have too much boldness and too much hope? No, I don't think so. Okay. And I, when I say bold, I'm like, you know, not throwing it in somebody's face. Like, mm, we would not do that. That's not what Jesus would want, you know. But bold in how do we stir hope? Mm-hmm. bold in knowing God's got my family. Like, I'm staring at four kids for college. I don't know how. I'm looking at three weddings. I don't know how, you know. But boldness that, man, God's got this. And I don't have to, I'm not going to be lazy about what I need to do, but I'm not going to be moved to a point of despair, fear, loss of sleep, because I'm going to live in the boldness of how much God loves me and loves my family. Okay. Because I think a lot of times when people think of boldness, they think of like a physical, like, yeah. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. But that's that's cool. Yeah. Make the connection for us <clears throat> from uh, living the gospel, living boldness. And then your next one was um, to uh, live to serve. Yes. Yeah. How do you move from living in boldness to live to serve? Well, you know, when I look at service, I mean, I, you, you just, you don't have to go far. You look at Jesus and you look at his service, his service to the community, his service to his father, his service to his disciples. I mean, you know, he never looked for someone to serve him. You know, he, he made it very clear, like I came to serve, not to be served. And so in our culture today, you know, like as we put ourselves on the pedestal, I mean, who doesn't like to be served? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, who doesn't like to be served? Like, you know, if you're sitting at the table and somebody clears your plate, you're like, I don't have to do that. That's awesome. You know, but our culture kind of promotes it in social media. Like, hey, get behind this cause, get behind that cause. And there's been plenty of studies that say even if you click on it and say like, you feel like you're part of the cause, but you didn't do anything. And so we're losing that service mentality. Sure. It's one of the things that we really promote at Man Camp. Like, gentlemen, you should always be asking the question, what can I do? Like, how can I help? You know, and and you see it in different kids. Like, as a youth pastor, you know, I've got kids who will come up to me after every youth group and shake my hand and say, thank you for the night. I'll have other kids who are like, hey, what can I do to help right now? Yeah. You know, and so that, that heart of service is this connection to what we were made to do, and that is to lift others up 
And as we're lifting others up, others are lifting us up. But there's got to be this connection, and I feel like that's kind of like where the church kind of went under attack in the um, you know the major seeker movement and such, where it was like, you come, we'll provide, you accept our Lord, and we're good. Instead of creating a community where like we're all doing community together and we serve each other. Well, and that leads to your last point, yeah. is to live in community. Yeah. How does that kind of wrap all this uh, together? Well, I mean, I think one of my biggest points in community would have been around the concept of, you know, as we put ourselves on the pedestal, the reverse thing happens. I don't want to share any of my problems. I don't want to share any of my needs, which doesn't push me to community. It pushes me into isolation. And so the only way we can be a true community is when we know what somebody needs and we come around them and we support them. And, and, and then as we're doing that, we're trusting in like God's sovereignty to provide everything we need to provide for others and still have provision for ourselves. And so it becomes this big faith step. Um, teaching in middle school, we were teaching on like what makes a hero, and we, we talked about a point that a hero takes risk to help people. And I had to explain to my middle school kids, like in today's world, it, it's a little scary sometimes if you try to help somebody, you may get you know anger or resentment back to you because people have been conditioned like, oh, I can't take help. I don't need help. I've got it. I'm doing this by myself. But a hero will step in. Like we see that over and over in the gospel accounts. Like, you know, Jesus just stepped in and said, all right, let's do this. This is what you need, and I'll provide it. Or he would even ask, like, what do you want from me? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. And so living in community, like that's what I remember growing up. Like, you know, we knew each other in the church. We had support from each other, and we knew that there would be help on the way if we needed it. You know, I think everybody would probably admit that isolation kills. Absolutely, right? yeah. And, <clears throat> and would probably admit that isolation kills, community builds. Yeah. But there's so many barriers. Um, what, what do you think? What, what's, what is it that um, can be knocked down, can help people move towards community today? Because I think everybody would admit they need it, but, yeah. uh, but, but they're just still living in isolation. Well, I mean, I think if you go back to the first point, like live in the gospel, Right. Like if you're reminding yourself each day of your complete and hopelessness without God and then you add God into the equation and you have all the hope you need, Mm -hmm. then you also can start seeing that the body of Christ can be trusted because if God is sitting on his throne over that church, then you can trust it and then it's going to connect you. And so what needs to be torn down is the fact that isolation is teaching us not to share not to be in community and not to let others know what's going on, yeah. you know? And I mean, so much of that comes from the fear of being judged. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, well, if I told them I was like really having anger issues as a father at home, then, you know, maybe they won't want my help in the church, but I really love helping at the church. So I can't tell them what I'm struggling with. Sure. And so it just becomes that perpetual lie that just mm-hmm. keeps driving us into isolation. And so to build the church of Christ and to, you know, see his church shine in the community would be to admit, like, man, I live out of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Every day is he he paid for it, and yeah. he's with me today yeah, in good. covenant, in spirit. And so I'm not alone. That's great. You know. Last question I have, and then yeah. Luke, maybe you have something, is, you know, you mentioned— you like that language, and I do too, about uh, learning to lean into God. Yeah. Um, maybe as it applies to those four things, yeah. as we think about community and family and the church family. Yeah. 
Um, what does that? Uh, what does that? Break that down. What does okay. it look like to learn to lean into God on some of these things? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think my journey for leaning into God probably happened maybe two, two and a half, maybe three years ago, where I was like, okay, what does it mean to really live in the Spirit? You know, and you know, and to take it from love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and then apply that into my daily life, you know. And there was a book I was reading, and it, and it had a study guide, and it had this phenomenal question, and he was like, the author was like, really, think about it, journal about it. What would it look like to live every day without frustration? Can you conceive that? Because I think that is something that we just expect in our lives. And so that question I really got excited about. Like, And he was pointing to the only way to do that is to live in the Spirit. And so I kind of came up with the concept of leaning into God. Because, I mean, myself, you know, if we're at man camp and somebody's like, hey, how can I help? No, 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 I got this. Like, I don't delegate well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, you know, and then I was like, you know, the first year we introduced that to the boys, like, you should always ask, what can I do? Yeah. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, now I'm going to have like, you know, 60 kids coming up to me all day. What can I do? And I better have a job for them. You know, it just happened at the end of VBS. I had two kids who were going to stay and have their lunch with their mom. And, you know, the little guy, he came up to me with his sister and he said, tomorrow, can we have jobs? And I'm like, okay, hey, buddy, you're in second, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you're in second grade. Like, no, you can't be a crew leader, you know, because that's for middle school and high school students. But he meant post. And I was like, well, you know how to vacuum, Colin? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, we can vacuum tomorrow. You know, and so when I look at it, leaning into God is like this concept of saying, I can't, but he can. And, you know, and God's really been highlighting it in a bunch of the stuff that I've been reading, like in Andy Stanley's Louder Than Words about character. He's like, write down the top ten things you want for your character. Make your list. And then when you're done with that at the top of the list, right, you can't do it. <laughs> and then underneath it, put he can. Yeah. And so leaning into God is like, yeah, like, I mean, people look at me and they're like, how do you do it all? I'm like, I don't. You know, I just lean a lot. Like, I'm just, like, asking God for help. I mean, I shared in the message about, you know, knocking my friend's expensive projector off the table. And then the focus didn't work. And then I was like, oh, Lord, I cannot afford this bill. You know, so I was just leaning, like, Lord, help me. And then it just kind of went glitch, glitch, like audible glitches. And then focus came back, and I was like, thank you. And so it is. I, and I, I would really want to stretch people. Leaning into God is believing that he cares. And if you don't believe he cares, you kind of might need to jump over that hurdle because that's kind of blocking. And so when you live in community and you live in community with a bunch of people who lean into God, kind of changes everything. That's great. You know? Yeah. Like anything? I think it was really cool. I had um, someone over from Switzerland or my family did yeah. from Europe. And the churches, there's, you go to Europe and Switzerland especially, everywhere you look there's churches. Yeah. But you start realizing they're all empty. Um and so the person we had over from Switzerland, she she does try to go to church and stuff. Yeah. But after, you know, she heard what you had to say, she was so, she was very inspired, but also kind of, you know, discouraged in the sense of like, she sees how all this applies to where we are and she sees it working here. Yeah. And when she goes back home, they're trying to make it work, but I don't think they have all the aspects of this. Like, yeah. You know, and it's just. I think it's been, become very traditional there, and mm -hmm. that was the collapse of all of these things. That yeah. when tradition and just doing it because you think you have to creeps yeah. into your worldview and why you believe in Jesus, it's the collapse of all these beautiful things working together. So, yeah. 
I think it was really cool for her to see that, yeah. not just to hear it, but also see it being like working here. Yeah. Um, so That's great. I thought it was cool. No, I mean, I, th- I feel like, you know, like here at the body at Crossroads of Aspen, I mean, I think we've had some times where isolation creeped into the body. And I mean, it's like, a, it's a, you know, like, how do you lead a church? You know, you just yeah. look at Steve and you're like, okay, he's been here like 22 years now and he's still leading, you know, where you're like, most people would have been like, I'm out. You know, but I mean, you think about it, it's like, you know, you're going to have those waves. But, you know, my experience with the body of the believers in Aspen, Colorado, and the Roaring Fork Valley who attend this church like when the call goes out, they step up, you know, That's true. and sometimes you might have to shout that call a little louder than normal, you know, but yet this body has always come around people, you know, and has always kind of led the way, like, you know, like setting up for VBS just happens, you know, because you're like, Hey, we need to stack chairs. Hey, we need this over here. Hey, how can I help? You know? And then they also live in the reality. Like one of my good buds was like, Hey, Chris, hate to leave but you know we we've got an appointment i'm like well no you've been here for like two hours after church you're grow you're good man you know you know and so when you can move people into that community yeah and give yeah, them and value I, I would just you know step in here unless you have anything <coughs> else uh luca you know chris i think you exemplify what a servant is and i think all these four things you know uh, exude from your you know modeling right for people living in community and uh, yeah, obviously you're a servant at heart, and that comes out, you know, live to serve. So in other words, these aren't just concepts that you're talking about. These are no. concepts that you're modeling, you're living, living in boldness. You do that with your own family. You do that here with the youth and with the children and yeah. middle school. Um, and all that, obviously, fueled by the gospel, yeah. you know. And so I think that's what's so important is uh, the person behind yeah. the message, right? And so uh, thanks for being that servant, yeah. you know, and carrying this on. And, uh, and being an example yeah. uh, for the whole community, which yeah. is, is pretty awesome. And so, I mean, you know, it, it does. It makes life just flow. Yeah. You know, it's not always perfect, but, you know, when you lean in on him and you see him respond, you're just like, okay, there's peace. And there's always hope. There's never a time where you don't have hope. And I think that's something needs to hear. The last thing I would say is, like, you know, if you're listening and you haven't been able to connect, you know, you, you know, you might have to kick in some doors, you know, because we do want to try to help people connect. Or just knock. Or just knock, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm more of the kick the door in, like, <laughs> hey, I'm here. I want to be involved, you know. But, yes, anyway, I hope that this root issue jolted you a little bit into community and then hope it just encourages you with hope that when you live out of the gospel, everything changes because the gospel changes everything. All right, thanks so much for tuning in. And you have a blessed week, and we'll catch you next week. I need to get below the surface. People up there, they get me nervous.